Hi, I'm Patty Scalzo, and this is the radio broadcast of Shi'ar Jeshub, coming from Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut, and featuring the teaching ministry of my husband, Pastor Greg Scalzo. Our current sermon is part of the Heavenly Authority series and was delivered back in March of 2001. The focus of this section is in the book of 1 Samuel, covering the fall of Shiloh with the priestly house of Eli and the rise of the prophet Samuel. From this rich section of the Old Testament, we can learn many principles that can be applied to the church today. Now, let us rejoin Pastor Greg, where we left off last time, as he reads from chapter 3, verse 3. The translation on verse 3, where it says, And before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord, where the ark of God was, and while Samuel was lying down, different translations move those clauses. The NIV, for example, will say, the lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. And you could pick up different translations, and there's a disagreement where you place the clause uh, where the ark of God was. Is it speaking about the candle, the lampstand, or is it speaking about young Samuel, that not only is he sleeping in the tabernacle area, one of the rooms adjacent to the tabernacle where Eli would have his residence, where the Levites would have their residence. He could possibly be in the tabernacle itself, outside the veil, by the candles, by the menorah, sleeping there maybe on the floor. If that's the case, we see the tremendous grace of God to this young child who is not a descendant of Aaron, how in innocence he's able to be in a close proximity to the Ark of the Covenant. And he's there and he's resting. Remember, he's ministered there. He's held the utensils and the implements for Eli. And you notice how what's going to happen here happens in that time of early morning in the night. A prophecy is going to happen. And many times you'll receive prophecy. You'll receive a word, a touch from God. David says, when I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watch. That's Psalm 63. He's near sleep. And he's going to hear a voice. And verse 4, it says that the Lord called Samuel and he answered. He said, little Samuel answered and said, here I am. Verse 5, so he ran to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. And you see the obedience of Samuel that he wants to respond right away when he thinks it's Eli, his master, who's called him. Here I am, for you called me. And he said, Eli said, I did not call lie down again. And Samuel went and lay down. Verse 6. Then the Lord called yet again Samuel. So Samuel arose and went to Eli. Notice the Lord calls him by name. The Lord knows him. He uses his name with him. So Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. And he answered, I did not call my son. Lie down again. The boy hears the voice, he assumes it's Eli. Verse 7 says, Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. 
So he's been working there. He's been learning with Eli about the Lord, but now he's gone beyond that. Now he's at a point that he'll have a personal relationship with God. He'll receive prophecy. He'll receive the word of the Lord. He'll hear the will of God, and he'll obey. And here you have Eli's sons who are grown men, and we read they don't know the Lord. The older grown men, Eli's quite old, and we read how they know not the Lord. And this little boy who up to this point knows not the Lord, personally, God will reveal himself to him. And this child can have a relationship with God. And it should be an encouragement for children that children should not be dissuaded from coming to Jesus Christ. A child can have a relationship with God. Samuel will now know the Lord. He did not know the Lord yet, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. Verse 8. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. You know, three is the holy number in Scripture. So he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you did call me. Then Eli perceived, he understood, that the Lord had called the boy. Nothing we ever read about Eli tells us he is a no God. He's just been sinful in the case of his sons. He will not rebuke his sons. He's done right, but he loves his sons too much. Then Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, and he gives him wise advice here. He says, go lie down, and it shall be if he calls you that you must say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Speak, Lord. He tells him, go, be obedient, lie down. If God calls you again, say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, speak, for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, now the Lord has been getting the word to Eli through the man of God. No one in Eli's house, his sons can't hear, so God will use this boy to speak. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, verse 11, I will do something in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. It's going to be such an occurrence that the ears are going to tingle. He can tell this boy these things about what's going to happen for a very important reason. And it ties into what we said about prophecy, how when a nation goes away, when a people go away, that the prophecies become rare. Why Eli's sons could never hear these things. Why Eli himself doesn't want to hear them, so he's not hearing them. That word when Samuel says, speak for your servant hears, he hears or he's listening, that word in the Hebrew doesn't just mean to hear. It means to hear with a view of obeying. To be determined to obey. Lord, tell me what I should know, because when you tell me, Lord, I will obey it. All that is encompassed in that word. And so God can tell these things to Samuel because Samuel is one who will obey. And he tells him what's going to happen. Behold, I will do this thing in Israel. The ears of the people are going to tingle when they hear it. Verse 12, In that day I will perform against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house. 
from beginning to end, what he told through the mouth of the man of God. Verse 13, For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he what? Which he knows. Eli hasn't committed iniquity, but he knows of it. He's aware of it. He's not stupid. He's seen what's going on. He's heard about it, and he's seen it for a long time. It didn't happen in one day. His sons have been abusing the people. They've been stealing from the people, stealing from God, forcing their power upon the people, and committing immorality for a long time. And he knows it. Because his sons made themselves vile, and he did not restrain them. He did not rebuke them. And so he becomes complicit with it. He becomes a part of it. Though it's not his nature, it becomes as his nature. The sin is attributed to him because as high priest, he should have stopped them, rebuked them, restrained them many years ago. And so the whole line will be cut off. And we saw that when we went ahead last time. Verse 14, And therefore I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. There's no way they could just make one of their sacrifices and be right with God. Now, there's a limitation of the Levitical system. Under the new covenant, the descendants of Eli, no matter what Eli has done, they can come to Jesus Christ and be forgiven. But it also speaks of another sin when people knowingly trample on the blood of the Son of God. When they knowingly blaspheme the Spirit of God. Even in the New Testament it tells us for such there's a point where there can be no more forgiveness because they can't repent. They've said no over and over and over to the Spirit of God as God is called. They've tasted of the Spirit and yet they've trampled on the things of God. They've trampled, it says in Hebrew, on the Son of God. We're not saying that for Eli and his family. We're saying they're a type of such. And it's a horrendous thought to think that someone could trample on the things of God. Verse 13, For I have told him I will judge his house forever. And verse 14, Therefore I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice and offering forever. Verse 15, so Samuel lay down. You can imagine what the little boy's thinking having received this. He lay down until morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He's doing all the service there. And Samuel was afraid to tell Eli the vision. Verse 16, then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. He answered, here I am. And he said, what is the word that the Lord, that Yahweh spoke to you? Please do not hide it from me. God, do so to you, and more also if you hide anything from me of all the things that he said to you. So Eli knows that the Lord is speaking to this innocent boy. And he wants to know now. He wants to hear. And he's charging the lad very strongly, tell me. Verse 18, then Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, Eli says, it is the Lord. He knows it's the word of the Lord. He knows how the Lord works. Let him do what seems good to him. He resigns himself. There's a pious acquiescence. He knows he deserves it. He knows his family deserves a punishment, and he accepts it. Verse 19, so Samuel grew, 
and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. So whatever Samuel says as a prophet, as the Lord gives him the words, he then confirms them. None of his words fail. The Lord lets none of his words fall to the ground. They prove true. And as he grows, God is with him. Verse 20, And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba, and you said Dan, we studied Dan, right? They went to the northernmost part of Israel, and Beersheba is in the Negev. It's the southernmost border of Israel. So from north to south, the whole land of Israel knew that Samuel had been established as a prophet of the Lord. You have been listening to the teaching ministry of Greg Scalzo, pastor of Shear Jeshub Christian Tabernacle of Madison, Connecticut. I know that it is difficult in today's fast-paced world to take time to write, but if you could drop us a postcard, your words of encouragement are most appreciated. Our address is Shear Jashub Christian Tabernacle, Post Office Box 518, Branford, Connecticut, 06405. Sunday service for Shear Jashub Christian Tabernacle is held in Madison, Connecticut at the Madison Memorial Town Hall on Meeting House Lane in Madison. Take I-95 to exit 61, go south to Route 1, turn right, and at the next light, turn right again. We are in the upper room of the yellow and white brick building. If you will be in the Madison, Connecticut area, we welcome you to join us for worship, prayer, the Lord's Supper, and study in God's holy word. May the Lord keep you safe in his blessed hands, as with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you serve him.